This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. Topics covered are for a mature audience. By continuing past this warning, you agree to accept that truth is relative and thus all truth is fiction. Lighten up, yo. Welcome to the Lane and Shamans, your one-stop shop for good vibrations. We are truth seekers with imaginations, bringing you a show without limitations. This is episode six, recorded on the 27th of August, 2014. Mitch, what are you doing? Smoking a cigarette? Mmm. Yeah, don't mind me just lighting up an old F-stick. Dude, I've always wondered, why do people smoke? I don't know, man. I ask myself this all the time. I've got like a idea that I'll eventually quit or should someday quit. I know the health risks involved. The sheer weight of scientific fact and evidence that it is really bad for me. I know this and I can still continue to smoke. Yeah. They um, even give you the packets with uh, grotesque lung images on them or you know, yeah. an image of someone with a throat missing. Yeah, that, no, that picture's ingrained in my mind. Mm. I recognise that guy. Mm. What if you see him on the street? I'm <laughs> walking along like, hey, I know that neck. I honestly have no idea why he still grew, grew a moustache. I think the beard added to the the shock level of that picture. Have you heard what they're doing with the cigarette packaging now? They're, they're taking away branding. That'd be interesting. Or they're planning to take away branding. Are so, they keeping the colours though? Um, not, I'm not sure if they explicitly have any colours or anything. It would just be like grey boxes yeah. with the brand name written on it. Yeah. Well, that's very interesting because you know, I've, I've always looked at a packet of cigarettes and you know, I've always been able to correctly identify merely by colours. Yeah, well, that's what it is though, isn't it? It's an icon. You can see mm. Marlborough just by without the, the mm. logo you know there's games built up on the phones now of recognition of these corporations because you, you know them they're so ingrained in your subconscious you can fill in the word just by the style or you know the text they use or still cigarette companies no one can argue that they are habitually evil they are always feeding into like cognitive dissonant thought yeah well I mean that's what it is isn't it having the um, I mean I hold two different mindsets mm. in it. I, I know that I don't want to be smoking my whole life I know the the negative effects that I'm having on my own body I think I'm starting to have a bit of a smoker's cough as well mm. but yeah it's just a it's a constant battle with myself to mm. be still be right in myself yeah now I heard a theory this is called in psychology cognitive dissonance I mentioned this earlier now if I gave if yeah, I did, was to give you a brief definition it would be like the state of having inconsistent thoughts beliefs or attitude especially relating to behavioral decisions and attitude change how I came up with that on the fly was beyond me. Yeah, yeah, that's that's some. You know, it's some, it's something we all do, and it's a vital part of making our you know our belief structure. I mean, how often do you, do you like Android users go against iPhone users just because they you know they don't want to be felt like they're on the wrong team, like they've made the wrong decision, so they justify their like their two year purchase in some very neat little package like all yeah. iPhones all suck. Yeah, and uh, you know. They get very, um, very defiant and very protective of their own, their own self-image, where they have to, like you said, justify their own. They have to like conf- confirm that they they were right the whole time. Mm. Like, and they, and they, even once they go to the other side, and maybe someone goes to get an iPhone after having an Android for two years, they won't admit they were being irrational all that time. They'll just make up an excuse like, "Oh, this new feature is the reason why I've I've started to like them now," mm. or and change their, I think that's like an adaptive change, mm. if we're talking psychological terms. That's like an adaptive cognitive response to the two, like to resolve this kind of mm. dissonance or discomfort felt when you hold two 
conflicting ideas or you know belief systems like that. Mm. The science behind cognitive dissonance is fascinating in itself. Have you heard about this guy Festinger? Uh, yeah, I think didn't he coin coin the term cognitive di- uh, dissonance? Yeah, sometime in nineteen fifties. I'm going to say about nineteen fifty five, fifty seven, maybe. Yeah, I think it's around there, right? Yeah. Talking as if we don't know the the actual to back up our conversation. I knew loosely about about it. Well, I think what inspired this guy Festinger, mm. which I admittedly we had to look up his name to citate it. Um, it goes back to this apocalyptic cult that um, these three guys were st- that studying the effects of their own belief system. Their this uh, apocalyptic cult were based on the writings of a automatic writer, mm. a, a prophet, if you will, that st- stated that the world is going to be flooded on a particular date, December the 21st, um, of 1954. Now, this cult went to great, great lengths to show their belief in this. They were, like, giving away their homes, leaving their jobs, you know, getting rid of all the metal metal on their body because they thought they were going to be picked up by aliens, uh, etc. You know, tractor beams don't work when you've got a lip piercing. No, of course not, yeah. That should be ripped out. <laughs> yeah, they were, so they were waiting this flying saucer to save them from the flood. So these three psychologists were sort of waiting to see what their response would be when their prophecy wasn't f- fulfilled um, and the way that they would justify their actions the whole time that they'd spent sitting up this hill waiting for them. <laughs> you know, um, almost like the rapture or the this apocalyptic meme that it runs through all all, all sh- you know shoots of religion and it's, it's a very it's a modern trend as well, isn't it? The whole end of the world, whether it's Y two K or I think 2012 the next around. big thing is mm. yeah I think yeah since the dawn of man we've always worried about you know what's going to happen next and we don't the very last thing that we want to do is know that you know we can all die and that's the end of our own personal universe but we still know that the universe exists after that or at least we have some faith in it well yeah I think that's that's where the roots of most religious belief come from doesn't it like the the fear of life after death and is there nothing mm. or is there something and I think that's why a lot of people get that will find it a lot easier to be spiritual or you know follow the doctrines of a, of a religion mm. because it's a lot less scary to think that life is just over just like that mm. but still it's very difficult to tread the religious path and not have dissonant thoughts i mean how many times do you have a conflicting emotion decisions based on your moral compass that are you're saying that would contradict a pre-existent idea mm. it's very easy if you have a doctrine in front of you and it says thou shalt not kill thou shalt not steal thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's ox that kind of stuff and you find yourself regularly coveting thy neighbor's ox or wife or whatever it actually translates as yeah you, you're gonna you're gonna be habitually un- uncomfortable because every day is a test of your faith i mean walking the religious path is like walking along the razor's edge mate you're constantly yeah. in the divide between these two yeah, it's a, well, what's the, the biblical simile? Like walking through the eye? No. It's easier to get a rich man into heaven than it, <laughs> uh, than it is to push a camel through the eye of a needle. That's the one, yeah. What a strange quote. It is. Is that Old Testament or New Testament? I think it's Jesus' quote, actually. Yeah? Yeah, I think he, like, you know, the guy mm. said that. <laughs> well, interestingly enough, the the study that, that spawned the, you know, the, the watching of the apocalypse cult, the woman who actually did the automatic writing or the prophecy was actually involved with the L. Ron Hubbard Scientology slash um, Dianetics mm. movement, say. It's like a, a area of pseudoscience mm. that he was developing to do loosely to do with mind and body and the relationship between that and the sort of spiritual 
slash nature of souls and i think he, he in an exploitive way i think used technology and sort of fused it with religion well i don't know too much about the new age movement but i think there was a lot of that going on well he's sort of like um scientology has almost become a tinfoil hat area isn't it like you can just say scientology yeah we can draw a line under that quite happily <laughs> yeah as um cult of the year award cult of the last decade probably I mean, they're older than that. I thought it was older. They they established that. Oh yeah, but they, you know they spent a long time getting a good list of people they could blackmail into actually believing this shit. Oh yeah. Why do you think Tom Cruise no, oh, believes yeah, these celebrity people? Yeah, celebrity. They know he's gay. Let me show him this is work of fiction. <laughs> well, I mean, it, all you really need to know about Scientology is summed up in the South Park episode. <laughs> you don't really need to look further into it to get any more details. They are just as outlandish and cartoonish as you what you might expect. Quite a reasonable parody of the of the reality of mm. what the their belief system is. And yeah, like you said, there are celebrity supporters like Tom Cruise who maybe privately oh, I wouldn't say privately. I I think this is there's a lot of financial motivation going on yeah they are funding the mechanism my understanding is that in order to be one of the let's say elders of the religion you have to pay x amount to know the truth as they would call it you know this mind-altering fact that they can only give the most devote of their uh, followers and in this case it was tom cruise and his 10 grand i think it could be a lot more than 10 grand oh it probably is now <laughs> but, you know yeah. you gotta start somewhere start small yeah the the elite that are privileged to, to with the information. I mean, could you imagine if you went to church and they only gave you the sermon if you gave a certain amount in the collection bowl? Yeah. <laughs> it's not fair, man. I mean, I know truth is, uh, you know, it's not an easy thing to deal with, but you should never have to pay for it. Mm, yeah. It is a, it's a good a good prospect of it. And I think being charitable is a positive, positive thing. And I think if you was a... Mor- morally good person whether you're religious or not you would have that as an, you'd see that as important but the kind of organisations like you know you see today the ge- like they're generating profits they are businesses they're not true charities mm. you know they do employ people to work for them or they employ outside contractors to what was it called um, cold call cold calling yeah. stuff like that that like so much money goes into it and these people that you know I, I see dispatches a few weeks ago about it and the uh, the methods that they use, it's just unreal sometimes, but it's all in the name of charity, so they get away with doing it. It's a facade of charity. Mm. Charity for vanity is not a charity at all. I grew up expecting that a charitable action is a selfless action. You shouldn't be able, you shouldn't have to go up to someone and beg them for money, and you shouldn't feel guilty into giving it. That's that's not fair interaction. Yeah, it should never be a guilt trip, man. You're supposed to like you know find someone. Like walking the street, there's someone who needs help. Give them a blanket, give them a little bit of change if they are going to go out and buy a cup of tea, and preferably not crack. Yeah. But yeah, the, the, the unfortunate reality of it is, is we are so disillusioned with the charities that we've, we're giving them at the moment that we don't feel obliged to give the charity. No. Yeah. I mean, this new ALS ice bucket challenge thing. I have a I, yeah. I, I don't have a habitual hatred for. I have a habitual, habitual hatred for the fact that it's campaigned through Facebook. Yeah. Well, I I do I, I see both sides of this this thing kicking off and I see that for one on the positive side of it it is raising awareness and 
it is a trend or meme, if you say, that go, that's been going through and raising awareness for that organisation. I'm all for that. But time and time again, I see with these Facebook trends, with the, this video that is in you know, some regard related to something else, and there's a trend that follows it, people get on the bandwagon and get involved with it, make videos, etc. I don't see a lot of actual contributing and a lot of discussion about the actual charity. Mm. I see a lot of discussion about, oh, did you see that latest Dice Buck Challenge? Or did you see that you know latest mm. whatever it is? Um, like one of the ones that was quite recently, I think it was uh, a women's charity with the girls were posting pictures with their no makeup on on Facebook. No makeup. Hashtag yeah. no makeup. Hashtag no makeup. Yeah. Okay. Um, obviously, I, I didn't follow it. I didn't. I don't wear makeup. <laughs> oh, did you not get on the bandwagon? No, yeah, so I didn't get on the bandwagon and post a picture of, of myself without any eyeshadow on. I think that was a similar sort of thing. They were just posting the images as opposed to supporting what the movement was behind it. Mm. Yeah. And is that not a direct opposite? I mean, I can totally understand where you're coming from. There is a need to raise awareness for certain aspects of this thing. Unfortunately, I don't quite understand why they have to exchange Facebook or Twitter likes or retweets, whatever you want to call them, in exchange for a very small financial compensation. Yeah, but I think it's the difference between people wanting to do good to benefit other people and then using something like social media to change the way they appear to other people. Okay. I think it's, you know, they do it to, to look like they're concerned. Okay, so, okay, my personal idea of the ideal charity is Batman. Yeah. But allow me to elaborate. Okay. I want a faceless individual <laughs> to go around fighting crime. I don't want anyone to get credit. I don't want anyone to yeah. get Facebook likes. I don't want anyone to, to personally benefit from this. I want the problem solved. Yeah, yeah. No, that's good. Yeah, I mean, he had a... That's a good philosophy, man. Layman Shamans is sponsored by Batman. <laughs> Layman Shamans. <laughs> yeah, man. Well, um, oh shit, you made me think about Batman. You, I, I, you made me think of something. So, what was your favourite Batman storyline? Um, I don't know. I didn't get too deep into reading um, many Batmans. Uh-huh. You were, were you referring to the? I know the the cartoon series Brave and Bold was. I've seen some of that. Mm. It's one of the most recent more recent I think it's another generation now actually um, but that was quite good yeah uh, it's like a next generation you've got so is it a set, is it another Batman that isn't Bruce Wayne yeah it's set in the future yeah. Bruce Wayne's an old guy in it mm. and he's almost mentor to the new Batman this isn't Batman of the future because there were many no. incant- incantations of the Batman um, Batman of the future they go yeah, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. They're, they're like four hundred years or something. Yeah. It seems like really space. I don't think it was that far forward, mm. but it definitely was like a, a generational leap. Mm. But, uh, no, I, I was quite into that. I, I think that realm of fiction is always. I've always been drawn to it. Mm. You know, the which Thief of Vendetta or Batman. You know, that kind of dark justice. We're talking about. Do you know the D and D alignment? This is Dungeons and Dragons for those not in Dungeon, the loop. Yeah, so, so, sorry, I'm making a reference about D&D. <laughs> you know, the, you've got alignments, you've got neutral, yeah. good. It doesn't, like Batman is almost chaotic good, 
or something like, or he's un, unlawful good. Whatever description fits him best, but like the side that he's, he's uncompromising, mm. but his intentions are good, but he's willing to do anything. Yeah, to get the good thing done. Yeah. Yeah, which at the end of the day, but no, he isn't. He isn't willing to break that oath he took to himself is I will not kill. Oh yeah, well he doesn't use guns, does he? So he doesn't use the violence. Chaotic, he does use violence, but... Yeah, his, his direct opposite was the Joker. Chaotic bad. Yes. He'll do anything bad for the sake of it. Yeah, yeah. That's what I always loved. That, that was my favourite, like, my favourite, favourite, favourite things in the world was the Batman and Joker storyline. The fact yeah. that one can't live without the other. Yeah, it's a subtle juxtaposition, isn't it? It's not even subtle. It's like, yeah. he can't kill him because he'd have to break his oath and like kill the Joker but the Joker can't live without Batman because he needs him to prove like his final his final act of madness would be to get the Joker to break <laughs> his oath yeah it's like a opposite equal and opposite force type mm. type deal isn't it yeah. you know it's just uh, it's dissonance <laughs> yeah I've got a rather interesting book um, it's called uh, The History History of the End of Time um, Apocalypse by a guy called uh, John Michael Greer and I've not read it all yet like a lot of the uh, a lot of the books that are on my bookshelf um, I'm sort of about halfway through but he's it's a collection of um, research that's been done into the history of almost the roots of religion like what what came before Christianity what came before that what came before all and this apocalypse or you know morality subject is obviously rife all, all the way up to the, the very beginning of it. And it seems um, there's this guy, Zarathustra. 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 Nietzsche's concept. Yeah, yeah. The, the, so this is one of the most ancient that they can find that's this kind of dogmatic situation with the, the man being separate from the creator, the man's realm being one side and being fallible, and then the cosmos being infallible. Mm. And a heaven, not a heaven and hell, but I think there was a the idea of the, an afterlife built into or paradise, like somewhere after this realm, built into his belief system. And this was obviously quite warped and passed passed around, and it's been all different kinds of interpretations of this. But there's, I mean, the point of this book is to sort of draw the the similarities in these key topics all these key areas where there's similarities that go through all of the, the stories almost and like to trace the actual origins of these characters that yeah. are depicted in the books that we have today, you know? So uh, it's quite an interesting book actually. Yeah. And do they find any origins? Um, well, yeah, I mean, that, that, that's where the book starts. Um, and it goes into explore, um, those kind of ideas. And then, quite a lot of the introduction of the book is about the, the mind calendar mm. and how so that would be the one of the more popular and most recent apocalypse theories, the, the end of the world of 2012. Um, I think what a lot of people probably expected something to happen and then probably like are people in the apocalypse study, what was it called? <laughs> the um, When Prophecy Fails study in 1956, this um, Fessening, I think, quite quite a lot of people probably had this kind of disconfirmation when they expected the prophecy to come true and then mm. realised afterwards in hindsight that they were wrong, but then equally had a 
a routine or a response where their brain went back and using you know backwards alteration almost changes the the way that you see the way you acted so to, to still justify that you were still acting just as rationally even yeah. though you, you wrongly believed that the world was going to end mm. and that that kind of thing i mean that that, that topic is yeah. and at the end of the day humans don't want to appear stupid they don't want to seem irrational so they will sit they will lord against every single time like dude you're in a cult with a justification no no that's my religion yeah yeah exactly and to them it is truth what could be more truthful than the, a group of people getting together and discussing what may or may not be happening what can be more truthful about a bunch of people getting together on ritualistically and repeatedly reimagining the death of someone and then metaphorically eating their body <laughs> you know repeatedly and then justifying that as you know normal and then saying that people on the, a different faith are wrong because of what they morally do yeah. whether they might actually eat people they see that as wrong or taboo even though it's actually ingrained in their belief system yeah it's their culture it's, it's yeah. a completely different way of looking at the world I mean you're, you're the heads and I'm the tails but we're still on the same fucking coin we interrupt this broadcast to bring you a public service announcement by Carl Sagan. Fundamental changes in society are sometimes labelled um, impractical or contrary to human nature. As if nuclear war were practical or as if there were only one human nature. But fundamental changes can clearly be made. We're surrounded by them. In the last two centuries, abject slavery, which was with us for thousands of years, has almost entirely been eliminated in a stirring worldwide revolution. Women, systematically mistreated for millennia, are gradually gaining the political and economic power traditionally denied to them. And some wars of aggression have recently been stopped or curtailed because of a revulsion felt by the people in the aggressor nations. The old appeals to racial, sexual, and religious chauvinism and to rabid nationalist fervor are beginning not to work. A new consciousness is developing which sees the earth as a single organism and recognizes that an organism at war with itself is doomed. We are one planet. Food for thought from Carl Sagan. We now return to Laden Shaman's part two. Anything you've been reading this week? I'm getting into Game of Thrones. The book? No. Like everyone else, oh. the TV series. Oh, um, oh. I have actually started watching season one. Mm. You've, you've lent it to me. Um, we've made it up to six, I think. Mm. Um, from the outset, I wasn't particularly interested, but now I think probably will watch it it is a quest in itself just to sit down and watch a series worth in a day well yeah how, how many episodes are there per season 10 10, ten hour long episodes so yeah so you got to find the spare time obviously it's not it's not out of the realm of belief thousands of people seem to have done it so far yeah 
almost as if um, my personal, I say maybe my beef of it, I don't generally go along with the, the bandwagon per se. I think when I hear a lot of people going on about something, I you almost... Are a hipster. Huh? You are a hipster in disguise. Yeah, like almost I, I feel compelled to not go along with the trend. Yeah. Almost as if I'm like a, a non non conformist. <laughs> but um Yeah. Oh, sweet I mean, breathing absolute man. Rel- mainstream. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely relentless has, has this um Game of Thrones hype been. Mm. Um so I mean it's bound it's bound to happen. Good though, bruv. It's like yeah. as far as like because my criticism of Lord of the Rings was the fact it was so polarizing. It was it was almost insulting. Like you knew good was gonna prevail over evil. It's what happens. Like there, there was no like Galadriel was probably the only person in the entire series to actually have like a moment of weakness. Yeah, or we'll have two sides. Yeah. To a to a character. Yeah, yeah. And she is uh, probably three minutes in the whole entire film. Maybe less than that. <laughs> probably less than that. You're yeah. Right. She turns her face a little bit. Meanwhile. And then goes back. Game of Thrones has got this organic world of living, breathing characters inspired mm. by hundreds of different cultures. You're not far enough in it to appreciate it. No, just yeah, I don't think I am deep enough mm. in it. Um, although, I don't know, so, some of the storyline is just sort of maybe sticking out a little bit to me and I'm like, that's a little weak there. Mm. That's a little weak. I mean, this is going to be a spoiler, but I mean, the episode I've just watched would be six of the first season. So if you haven't, if you intend to watch... Game of Thrones and you don't want any spoilers this is your chance to do that now but so the imp is imprisoned by what's a Lady Stark's sister's castle place no she's imprisoned by Lady Stark La- yeah why Lady Stark and At she Winterfell. takes him over and she, and she takes her over to that other castle that's got like a hole in the floor oh right yeah yeah, yeah that, that so I don't really understand the pr- principle of why he was put up on trial and then he could choose trial by combat, and then there's just some random guy who sort of steps up to to fight the trial for him. Like it always seems a little bit too convenient. This is this is like where it was inspired direct from the Middle Ages. Um, you could mm. have the option to trial by combat, trial by fire. Obviously, if you're kind of weak, if you got the trial by fire one. But yeah, if you wanted to, you could prove that I don't know some kind of god was on your side if you yeah. or if you're, you're, you're it was a meritocracy back then if you could survive the ordeals of everyday life then you were supposed to live okay like so if you were put to death and you had representing combatants the one who is destined to die is the one that's representing the one that's that's wrong yeah it's not impossible to believe, especially since like the, the the Lannisters are both. You really have got a smoker's cough, haven't you? Oh uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. The Lannisters would um, they have a significant amount of money. They very rarely fight their own battles, that kind of thing. So it's just you know an idea of a lord is not to die ungraciously. It was the idea of a knight, someone just below the rungs of the king, to to die and fall honorably for their for yeah to do it their chosen party to do it for them yeah. Mm. Okay. It was a different world back then. Hmm. Okay. Well, also, also regarding that scene then, when they're in the, the room with the, the hole in the middle, what is the significance of the boy still breastfeeding, like on the lap of the queen? Or I'd what, say that's that 
that gives the, the this effect of this place is very isolated, mm. where obviously it's, he's nursed far beyond the time he needs to be nursed, and he's essentially going bitty, yeah. bitty, yeah, bitty. Yeah. Like, you know, like if 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 a someone had chosen not to be part of the world, you quite quickly realise the only people you can trust are your direct family members. Yeah. Okay. It's a head fuck. Don't worry, you don't see them again yeah. for a while. Okay, cool. That's good. I mean, there seems to be a lot of a lot of violence mm. and a lot of nudity, and these are these are you know these are two very good things. Two good things. Yeah, when you're when we're talking about. Well, what did you want? You watched yeah. Sparkle's Spark- Blood and Sand, which is almost a direct I, lift from it. <laughs> I, I I love me some Sparkle's man. I I got into that in a big bad way. Yeah. So yeah, I think that's. Um, yeah, I'm going to say, Duke, watch Game of Thrones, symbolise what you think it actually means. At the end of the day, it's all up to your own perception. Of course. I think that's what um, it comes down to at the end of the day, mm. isn't it? What about the E6? They got banned, didn't they? Are they, are getting they banned? banned yet? No, no, they're getting banned in public areas because yeah. apparently the vapours are just as, or could be just as toxic. We're going to have to start That's the current news. banning a lot of stuff if it's going to be dangerous to our direct vicinity. Cars should be banned, exhaust fumes, brake yeah. dust. It all contributes to our health. And still we choose to live in cities. Yeah, we still do it, don't we? Yeah, that's a, that's a segment we dropped off. Like, bear in mind we've, we've mentioned the date on which we're recording. Why don't we do any current affairs? What do you th- who do you side with? Because Israel and... Gaza have recently come to a ceasefire. Now they've always been starting um, to lord this up as a good thing because the and you know a long term ceasefire. So the the Hamas, IS, ceasefire. Well, wait, IS is a different place. I'm talking about Israel. I thought, well, so and Gaza, and in the, over the Gaza region. I thought, I thought the the recent ceasefire was Hamas and Israel. This is I the see, most annoying the, part about discussion in the Middle East. No yes, one seems course. to know A, where the, the fuck it is, B, what it. the fuck is happening. But I did hear this on LBC and they were talking about Hamas. Yeah, Hamas is the Palestinian government. Palestinian government. Yeah. Well, so between the Palestinian government and the Israel government, there's been a ceasefire that's been declared. Yes, a ceasefire. It's an one actual, of the many. But yeah, but there's been a, there's been a few in the last few weeks. Mm. Why, why is, what makes this one different? It all becomes a great big rock, paper, scissors contest about who breaks it first. Mm. Usually, because of... Um, say uh, the Jewish doctrine sort of encourages preemptive fighting so if you think someone's going to bomb you bomb them first strategic yeah that's strike first though isn't it but equally if you're you know hiding missiles in a school <laughs> it's a very convenient place to launch a missile actually and no one will know yeah no one will notice this um, silo <laughs> in the playground yeah <laughs> so should we wrap up I mean we've gone over a lot today kids I mean what have you learned Mitch um, I learned all about cognitive dissonance and we spoke about Game of Thrones. <laughs> Today's episode was sponsored by the letter B <laughs> and the number 33 for no particular reason. And uh, Marlborough cigarettes. <laughs> this has been a presentation from the Lame and Shamans Media. Big thanks to all of you that are involved in the movement and to the world for the stories that inspire us every day. You can continue to show your support over at laymanshamans.com and of course on Facebook and Twitter when you search for the Lame and Shamans. I love you guys. In a bit. <laughs>